Welcome back to Sister Brunch with me, Fanchon Cox. And me, Anya Adams. We're back and talking to you about Black Women Plus working in media, entertainment, and the arts. Today's show is our fifth and last episode Whoa. of our Time's Up series on safety, equity, and power in Hollywood. We'll be asking how we can move forward as Black women in Hollywood and the media at large, ways to keep up momentum and push for change, and what the challenges ahead might be. Yes, and we have two amazing guests here today who have been running things, really dedicated to doing this, and uh, we're both just so excited to have you on. So we've got Latasha Gillespie. She's head of Global DEI at Amazon Studios, and Mickey Woodard, head of Good Robot at Bad Robot Productions. And we're going to get into what that actually means here in a second, but I'll, first I'll tell you a little bit more about Latasha. Latasha Gillespie has over 20 years of experience with Fortune 50 organizations leading successful global strategic initiatives and is currently the global head of diversity at Amazon Studios, also at IMDb and Prime Video. She is credited for the company's participation in the HBCU Partnership Challenge and leading the creation of Amazon's first Conversations on Race and Ethnicity Core Conference. Black Enterprise Magazine named Latasha one of the 2019 most powerful women in okay. corporate diversity. Yes. And she is a 2018 Ebony Magazine Power 100 honoree. I got to talk about Mickey Woodard now, though, because, you know, this woman is also amazing. So Mickey leads corporate social impact, employee engagement, diversity, and cultural initiatives at Bad Robot Productions. She's a senior advisor of the Katie McGrath and J.J. Abrams Family Foundation, and she helps manage the family's philanthropic portfolio. She also serves on the board of several charitable organizations, including the California Advisory Board of the Trust for Public Land, and is the current board chair of the Nonprofit Community Coalition. So we're so glad to have you both here. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Yes. So glad to have you. And we always like to start off our regular episodes with kind of just hearing how our guests got to where they got to, because we really want to be inspiring for younger women, maybe, or women who are transitioning in their careers to kind of become what you all are doing. So Mickey, do you want to start? How did you end up doing what you do? Yes. A very crooked path. <laughs> Those are the best. Mm -hmm. You know, when I when I talk to young women, I always tell them, looking back, it makes sense. Going forward, it didn't always. And you have to be open to the opportunity that you might not have thought about, because that's really what guided me this whole way through. You know, I started doing this work over 20 years ago, very long time, uh, at a talent agency, working with their clients. But here's the ironic part of that. One of their clients was J.J. Abrams and Katie McGrath. No. Whoa. So wow. that tells you that sometimes this path is just made for you. And I've just been really, really fortunate to be able to tap into that. And also about the importance of networking and keeping up your network. I always talk to young women about that too. How are you making sure that you stay connected to the people in your life that mattered? So started out at CAA, went over and did some work with influencers like Kanye and Dr. Phil and others, went back to the corporate side and did this for JCPenney, and now I have this amazing opportunity 
to lead this work for Bad Robot and also for, you know, the McGrath Family Foundation, along with my colleague who actually runs that uh, entity. So I'm grateful to be here. Oh That's my goodness. Awesome. That's that. Don't burn your bridges, y'all. Don't burn your bridges. And we've said many times on this podcast that when you get opportunities, you need to kick ass. Like you you need to be somebody that other people ask about later. So, oh my goodness, you started those relationships that long ago. You need to also call the crowd and see who you like and who you want to be connected to. Because sure. when you find those people before they've exploded, you know their true Amen. selves. What about you, Latasha? Just like Mickey, also a very crooked path. The only thing that was straight about my path was that it always started with praying for the yes or the yuck. So I actually started off in finance. My my background is finance. I started off in the manufacturing industry. Uh, so very different world than the one I'm currently sitting in. But through that process, every time someone asked me to take on a new opportunity, you know, the first thing I would do was pray for the yes or the yuck. Like, God, is this for me or is it not for me? Right? Because I always want to be in the right place at the right time and never in the wrong place at the wrong time. And if it was a yes, even if it scared me, which most of the time it did, learning to yeah. lean into the yes, learning to lean into the things that absolutely terrified me that I was not qualified for, that I did not have experience in. But it was in those moments is when I learned a lot of new things. It's in those moments when I learned a lot about myself. It's in those moments when I learned how to translate fungible skills that worked across multiple industries in multiple countries, and it just served me well. Natasha, what were some things that you did to get yourself comfortable with leaning into the yes? Well, you know, the interesting thing was, and I really do think it has a lot to do with my faith, because I always believe that God has a bigger vision for me than I can have for myself. And I always believe that he knows exactly the path to get there. So sometimes when it's uncomfortable for me, I know it's because there's stretch happening, there's growth happening. And if I've already jumped into something because I'm chasing purpose and I, and I really believe it's my next right step, then I know he's got me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Mickey, can you talk a little bit about you leading social impact, employee engagement, like all of these elements at Bad Robot. Can you talk a little bit about like, how the recent year has affected your job. I mean, COVID-19 is probably one that's obviously impacted all of us, but also like the Black Lives Matter um, movement and how, you know, it's really kind of been a pervasive kind of experience for all of us, but how it might've changed your work. Absolutely, and I think part of it is beyond or in addition to what it does to our work, it's how we all change personally. Mm-hmm. that's been the biggest lesson for me that no longer are these things separate. It mm. was so easy for me to compartmentalize my day from my night, my work from yeah. my home. And now everything's in the same space and everybody sees it. And mm-hmm. so when <laughs> you are a black woman leading this work, it means that you are working to help people get through the trauma that you're also experiencing. And so what I'm grateful for is that I work at an organization where they've been really thoughtful about that, not just for me, but given me the platform and the support that we need to help all of our employees grapple with a very new reality. And so our work has expanded from social impact, from really looking at what can we do for our community and what can we do for our neighbors to really thinking about who are we? Who are we together? Who are we apart? How do we learn more about each other? How do we support each other? How do we see each other? 
differently? How do we respect each other? It's been all of those lessons that have translated into programming and support Mm. and all kinds of very specific activations. But the core of it really is about humanity and how the last year has really taught us to start there and then think about how that applies to work. Hi, it's Anya, and you're listening to Sister Brunch. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're back. Here's more of our conversation with DEI and social impact leaders, Latasha Gillespie and Mickey Woodard. I got to bring this up because I was having this conversation, doing some social impact work with a theater and the, the directors of the theater are two white women. And we were talking about how for the last year, well-intentioned white people have gotten a little browbeaten and not to say they didn't deserve it, right? But like have gotten a whole lot of focus on like, stop talking, be about it, you know? And I feel like we are now moving into a period where maybe there were times during that where we were like, you know what, we don't need you at all. And I feel like we might be learning, leaning into the period of, ooh, we got to all work this out together. And now we got to figure out how. And I think, you know, Mickey, when I think about what you do, because you are working with two very well-known white folks with money, but who have chosen to do the work with that money. And so are you seeing that kind of shift in any ways? Or has that always been the case there that they've always been about doing the work? Like, did this last year change things drastically? I think both things are true. They have always been about doing the work and there's been a lot more give and take in the last year. That's that humanity part where we're really seeing, you know, where our starting points are as you connect to all of this. And also where are the opportunities? Where are the gaps? There are gaps in every single organization, whether that's Mm -hmm. internally or externally. And this is the time, as you said, to be about it. Mm-hmm. There is no time for excuses. You have to be unequivocal and have your language and your programming and your culture and your mission and your values. They have to align. And there's a lot of work behind each one of those words. Mm. Latasha, curious about you too. Because I, I mean, look, if any of us work for a major studio or a major production company, we're working directly with white folks with power. Have you seen shifts? Yeah, you know, the interesting thing was like last year was not a surprise to most black people and people of color. Right. These are things we've lived with our entire lives. You know, when we when you mentioned in my bio about the core conference, that was a conference I started in like 2017, right? right. Yeah. Because we knew these things were happening in these communities right. and people couldn't shed that fragility of life when they swiped into our company. Oh, right. Okay. They carried that with them and everything that they did, which mm. is why I felt like there needed to be a conversation about a messy topic at work because it was impacting the way people do work. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I think with the with this past year has done with, you know, a pandemic, you know, and a murder and, you know, a global uprising. It has caused all of us to be still just a minute, 
right? Because what right. if this is a new, how did we all miss it before? Because we were off doing our own things. But the pandemic forced us all to be still for a minute and 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 witness this together. And so it's funny, and I agree with uh, Mickey so much when she talks about the humanity part, because when people say, you know, the Black community must be hurting over this, and I say, how does a human being look at this and not right. regardless of right. race? This is not a Black community problem. This is a humanity problem, mm. right? We should all feel that way. We should all have those sentiments when we see the anti-Asian hate. We should all be feeling mm. that. Right. Okay? And so yeah. I think what this year, this past year has allowed us to do is be very intentional in language and to call a thing a thing, mm. right? That we no longer have to dance around and pacify and sugarcoat things. We can actually call things what they are. We can talk about oppression as it shows up on screen. We can talk about oppression porn. We can talk about how these stereotypes and tropes are actually hurting our ability to see each other as human beings, right? We can we can call a thing a thing. And we can also say, guess what? It's not okay for you to say George Floyd died because he didn't. He didn't have cancer. He wasn't, you know, 100 years old and died of old age. The man was murdered. Mm. Yeah. Right? And so it allowed us to be very intentional about our language and then be very intentional about our actions. So if the man was murdered and we believe that, that it was uh, anti-Black racism specifically, then the solve for that is not going to paint a kindergarten classroom. Right. The solve for that is not tutoring. Right. The solve for that is systems and structures. Mm. Yeah. Power. Funding. That's the solve for that. So it's no longer, you know, we can't keep tickling this thing, right? How do you feel like that transfers to your workplace? Because I feel like we've all, we've had these internal transitions, but there are, and I'm hearing from some of my friends that are working in these bigger corporations, especially in Hollywood, that there's a little bit of resistance. That sounds like it's not so much a bad robot, but I'm wondering at Amazon, are you bringing, while all of us are going through that collective experience, are you helping with the awakening that needs to happen to be able to speak things as they are? I think people still have a very hard time hearing those things. And that's good. It should be hard. Yeah. You should be uncomfortable. That's where the growth is happening. So it's a safe environment in Amazon or where you are to be able to do that. Did you create that or how did that come to be that you guys feel safe in having these dialogues now? So at Amazon Studios, I think it always starts with leadership. You know, before I worked in Amazon Studios, I actually worked for Amazon Corporate up in Seattle. And then she came in as head of studios. And I saw her from afar for a little while and just the night and day difference in how she moved and operated. We talk about, you know, the the reckoning and the and the reconciliation we're having, people of color with white people over over these issues. And I always say, you know, there's white people and then there's people who happen to be white. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so people yeah. who happen to be white are the people that you see are very intentional about their actions are very intentional about their language, are humble to seek diverse perspectives when it's an area that they don't know, right? And so when you see that and you see how somebody moves, you go, oh, I can rock with you. So when she asked me to come down the studios and, and stand up this work, I was like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I have had a freedom and empowerment to do just that, to like get us comfortable with language, to push back when people want to paint kindergarten classrooms and playgrounds right. and stuff and be like, no, 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 that's yeah. not what we're going to do. Right. Yeah, yeah. But you could go hire three black, Latino and, you know, Asian yeah. writers. We, I, we fully support that. What kind of budget do you have for yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But for real, I do think what we know on this call and we know why we do this as sister brunch and I know about the two of you is for whatever reason y'all have a calling to do this work right and Latasha you talked a little bit about religion and and how that's it's your calling 
do y'all get exhausted from it? <laughs> <laughs> what you do when you get what you can do when you get tired? <laughs> we get T I red. That's broke down time. <laughs> like you said, you don't get to shed this. And I think it's really important no. too for if you have teams that do this work that, you know, they, they live this in their day-to-day lives, their personal lives, then they live it at work and then they're exactly. living it. And, you know, so you have to protect your mental health. To me, that's the most important thing. How do you do it, Latasha? And how do you do it, Mickey? And this year I didn't do it well. I was so busy, I think, after the murder of George Floyd, standing up the things and, and putting one foot in front of the other. And like, we okay, we, there's an opening now that the earth has tilted. Move, let's go, action, let's yeah. get some things done. But then there came a moment, though, where it washed over me and it was like it was a crippling feeling because I have two black sons. You know, one just graduated from Howard and one with another year to go. I have a black husband. I have a black father. My brother, one of my brothers has been a victim of police violence and brutality. So, like, sometimes when that stuff washes over you, you know, when you have that moment to be still, you don't realize how it impacts you. And I actually had to I had to take a little time to, like, unplug and step away. Which is amazing that you were able to do that, because I, I do feel as black women, we do exactly what you were just saying, which is like, oh, here's an opening. We got to go. Don't stop. Keep going. We got to go. And we we it's really hard for us to step back. Because it won't get done. It won't get done. We feel like it won't get done. But you know what? Yeah. Like, listen, if we don't put our own oxygen mask on first, yeah. right. then we can't be of any good to anybody else. So I'm a big believer in being open and transparent about mental health. And I'm also a big believer in Tiny Baby Jesus. And I'm also a big believer in therapy. And yeah. long back. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Mickey, yes. Mickey looks like she has something to say about that. Tell us, Mickey. <laughs> I agree with everything Latasha just said, but I also think my lesson has been balance is fleeting. Yeah. So I Ooh. I can strive for it. I can say, oh, I got it. I got it this week. I got six hours of sleep, four nights out of the week. I've, and then you realize the next week it's tipsy-turvy again. Mm. And so for me, it is that kind of, consistency and aiming for more consistency in thinking about myself, but it, it's really hard to do. And this work does become personal. And I also think a great point Latasha made is about the teams that you work with, because you're not just holding up yourself, you're holding up your team. Yeah. My team is a full team of color. Oh, that's And so we are all absorbing this in our own ways Mm. In our own communities, in our own families, I know for me, my saving grace has been during all of this, the opportunity to do this work and do it closer to my family. And that and being here with them, you got to find what are the small wins because there are pieces of this that I'm really grateful for Mm. and others that have been extraordinarily difficult. Mm. And also, I would say, though, find that thing that brings you joy. Hey, y'all, you're listening to Sister Brunch with Anya Adams and Fanchin Cox. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Sister Brunch. I'm Fanchin. Let's get back into this conversation with Latasha Gillespie and Mickey Woodard. So, of course, because this series is with Time's Up, has that also changed the way you work, even the choices you make at work being involved with Time's Up? 
I would say yes for me, absolutely. You know, Bad Robot is is connected to Time's Up, and I think you know, inspired by their boldness. That's what I would say. In a short amount of time, they've really been able to center mm. equity and safety, not just as buzzwords. Yeah. But to really think about how, what does that mean? And what's actionable? And what does that mean for hiring? What does that mean at every stage of hiring? What does it mean for women that are juggling so much? Mm. What is the support that you need and the safety that you need to be yourself and bring yourself to all these situations? And so for us, uh, it's something that we try to replicate internally in our culture but also support and partner and amplify mm. their goals and their work. Did you create your job, Nikki, or was it already in place? Both. Okay. It was here. I absolutely stepped into this role, but the role that I stepped into was a little bit different. Yeah. It was much more focused on social impact and employee activations, and ah. it has really broadened out to this piece that's dealing with culture and diversity. Uh, one story that I will share is that I, I am very close to my family and I feel like I'm following in the footsteps of my dad. My dad was a DNI leader. Oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. and, and he did this work at Dell and I think it's rare mm. yeah. to, to have a parent that you've seen do this kind of work that you've seen operate in these kinds of circles. Mm. And we had, we had real conversations about that. We were very, very close and he has now passed away, but I use his lessons and yeah. I use that example mm. and absolutely bring that into the work that I do. Did you feel like as you grew your position, there was any pushback or difficulty kind of broadening out, like helping people see the, the benefit of what you were bringing? It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> this work is not easy. And yeah. I tell people it, it actually gets harder before okay. it gets yes. easier and that's when you know you're doing it yes. right yeah because okay. the conversations are harder the barriers that you mm. discover are more specific mm. um and so it wasn't necessarily convincing people that wasn't the challenge the challenge now is you know there's so much that you can do you right. got to prioritize mm. it you got to make progress in different areas um because everybody is coming to this moment at the same time mm, yeah. and is galvanized about that. Mm -hmm. You got to just make sure that what we're doing over here with content, that's gonna stick. That's gonna be sustainable. That's and the then thing. we gotta go over here <laughs> and do the next piece. It's more of that and how big this role can be and just making sure that that growth really does equate to real long-term change. I'm about that. Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have a minute to waste. Right, right. So true. Your <laughs> father, you. that's, a, that's beautiful. So you, it really is your calling. I mean, your parents put that into place. Mm. My grandfather was a Tuskegee Airman, so oh, that's wow. the other person. Oh, um, I, I get that spirit of service. I, yeah. I think a lot about... Him as a young man, just volunteering to go down to Tuskegee, Alabama to the unknown. Yeah. Wow. And do what he did. And so, yeah. And then the last thing I'll say is my great, 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 great grandmother graduated from Hampton Institute at the time in 1890. Wow. And I am, I am fourth generation Hampton. Ooh, so my goodness. Legacy is important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. 
What about you, Latasha? Did you like create your job? Did you broaden it? What kind of roadblocks? Is it similar to Mickey or? So yeah, definitely have, have broadened it. So up until this role, most of the work that I had done in the DEI space was very internal employee facing work, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of how most people traditionally think about it. You know, one of the things that I realized in doing that work is one of the ways in which we accelerate the DEI work faster is really by the stories we tell because yeah. <laughs> people have been doing unconscious bias training for 30 years and the you know fortune 500 ceo <laughs> list still looks like it looks so i'm like yeah, you know right. we're not going to train our way out of this right we have to mm-hmm. we have to do some different things and i think again time's up has been amazing and really focusing on the right places to move the needle and and again infrastructure change not just performative change mm-hmm. right. Right? right and so and that's been really important and i'm really grateful you know so one of the things in the past two and a half years since I've been down here and really in the last year we've been really uh, laser focused on is about mechanisms. So everybody has good intentions. Nobody wakes up and says, I'm going to be racist today. I'm going to be sexist today. I'm going to be homophobic today. I'm going to block all these people from telling their story in an authentic. Very few people wake up and actually say that. Yeah. Yeah. But it happens in every single decision. The marketing budget, the production budget, the release date, the distribution, right? The geographies and where we distribute yeah. the project. All those things matter mm. yeah. for the sum of the good. And so we've been trying to figure out ways and and to Mickey's point where it takes time is dismantling systems. Yes. Yeah. And so how do you how do you get in there and dismantle the system? So my role has really evolved in that I am focused on customer-facing DEI work. So the diverse representation in front of the camera, behind the camera, above the line, below the line the um, inclusive narratives that we tell so that we're not perpetuating harmful stereotypes and tropes. Thank you. And the equity of trying to rebuild these systems in an equitable way, which is, you know, why Howard Entertainment was an important project for me to launch because I wanted to create a process to create more black executives. Yes. Right? So these these Howard students are, are going through this program fully immersed, two semesters in LA, fully accredited. We pay their tuition, their housing, living stipends, because our our philosophy is that if we remove the barriers, if we remove the obstacles and hurdles, all you have to do is show up and perform. Right. And when they do, they show out. We always show out. That's the thing. I do believe some of the resistance is that when they do work with us and they're like, oh, you're running circles around everybody. We better not have you around because we got to work harder. That's important. But like the green light process for me is important. Like, so now every green light we do has a DEI assessment. We're asking ourselves, you know, that's what amazing. Is, yeah. Yes. Who you hire? How is that going to affect our overall numbers? Are there problematic things in this story? What mitigation opportunities do we have to fix them before the customers ever see them? Like all those things right. matter. And yeah. so not to say that we don't, you know, green light some things that maybe don't appeal to black and brown audiences, but it's a conscious decision now versus yeah. a, oh, oh, we got yes. five out of 10 that look like this, mm. right? right? That's fantastic. That's really fantastic. And it's so exciting to hear that you guys were able to broaden your scope and your influence in such major companies. It's, it's really exciting. Yeah. And, and I, 
I love that what, when we were talking about self-care, that, you know, something that we all want to be better at is delegating, but we don't have anybody to delegate to. If these executive, especially those, you know, in an executive position, how do you mentor if we're not there? So I, I think both of you are also in color entertainment, Kelly Edwards, color entertainment. Are you both in that too? Kelly's amazing. She's amazing. Yes. And so I love these programs. Like this is how we know we will be able to get our self-care because we are going to help mold and pave the way for the next executives. And then they'll be able to step in and help determine what the content is. I think too, a lot of people, Franchin and I did a, a podcast a couple months ago where it was like, we were talking about all these people calling us for lists. And our response was like, well, what have you been doing to build those lists? Don't be fucking coming to me. Excuse my language. Why are you coming to me to pick my it friends? Get frustrating. Y'all yeah. need to like build your own. Like we all are yeah. responsible for this. And to hear right. that, that you guys are doing that is so just great because- it can't just be three people who hire, you know. It needs to be yeah. everyone's responsibility. Yes. Everyone's yes. responsibility. And, you know, Black women, you talked about Kelly Edwards. Let me just say, women like Mickey, like you, Fanchin, uh, Kelly. Yes. When You know, I came into this industry without the years of knowledge and background. I came from manufacturing and then tech and then whatever, right? Black women have been my saving grace. You hear me? Yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> Yeah. They have gotten on yeah. the phone with me and be like, here's who you need to know. You know, here's yeah. my network. Here's my whatever you need. I got True. you. Yeah. True. I got yeah. you. So, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, people like to compare Prime Video and Netflix. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about because my girl, Vernay over there, we meet <laughs> okay. and, and share notes. <laughs> Yeah, like, there is no competition with that. We right. are right. pushing aligned on what we're trying Thank to do you. in these organizations. This is, yes, yes. This is always Which is a whole thing. different way of thinking than anyone has had in a long time. Right. It's not like hoarding. It's like how do we how do we grow this? How do we grow Hollywood? <laughs> we bring in those stories. We bring in those people. We bring in those ideas. That energy. And what Latasha is doing over here is working. This piece is yes. working. Let's pull from this piece. What Mickey's doing over here is working. Why Let's... can't we all pull from all these pieces? Yes. yes. Make that path shorter. Let's yeah. learn from each other. Oh, yes. I love it. I love it. Hey, it's Fanchon, and you're listening to Sister Brunch. We'll be right back. And if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at Sister Brunch. We're back. Here's more of our conversation with DEI and social impact leaders, Latasha Gillespie and Mickey Woodard. Mickey, would you like to talk about the colorism project? Yes. What I can say absolutely is one, we're grateful, Fanchon, for your participation and, and help with this because what we're trying to do this fall is bring forth another tool. As we talk about the work that we all probably can benefit from, this is a topic that's often talked about, but how do we really think about what can we do to stop making the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. How do we empower the colleagues that we work with, the crew that we work with, the people to your point, they don't wake up wanting to cause harm. So with this tool on colorism, we wanna tackle this really hard topic and talk about how we can all do this work thoughtfully, 
differently and with the resources and education to hopefully make a different choice and have a lasting impact. Mm. And uh, so we're working really hard with Time's Up, with Color of Change, and with other organizations to bring this forward. What I love about it is that I've, I've had a colleague say before something along the lines of like, I mean, when are you going to be satisfied? Right? Like, and I'm like, no, no, because every layer we pull back, we need to continue to pull back the layers. We need to understand whose voices aren't being heard. And so colorism, I think, is one of those perfect examples of something that when we were just talking DEI, we were not thinking that. And this one is a tough one because it's internalized too, right? Like it's us also having to look in the mirror and think about our whole lives and how we've treated others and been treated based on it. So I love that what we're saying is we don't stop this work, right? We keep going, we keep going, we keep going. And and also I love, y'all know, like, because you've had meetings with me now, I, I sometimes I'm just like, fuck them, right? But your approach is helping me, Mickey, which is you can't go in with that. You got to go in with, here's all the info and like, you're actually not a black person. You're not a dark skinned per black person. You're not a light skinned black person. So you've never thought about this before. So here are some resources for you to think about it. Or you are a dark skinned uh, black person, but you've never heard this terminology for it or these ways of thinking of it. So I've learned a lot from working with you and Keisha on just thinking about how you make that, especially that initial presentation. It's really helpful. <laughs> And they're lucky that they're going to get it yes. that way. <laughs> well, and I'm also grateful for Keisha Center over at Monkey Paw because it yes. was Keisha that called me and said, you know, let's try and do something together. So right. excited to keep working on it. And then Fanchon, when they ask you, when they push back, all you have to ask is, so I'm sorry, what lived experience are you using that? Thank you. <laughs> that would make you feel that you would have that an you input. You would even ask that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would even ask that question. <laughs> it's true. That is the caucasity of things, right? When people yeah. with no lived experience. Ooh. Zero lived experience. And How much more are you going to take from me? <laughs> <laughs> we are going to wrap up, but let's what? trust y'all will be back on. We will have this again. Hopefully time's up. We'll be like, it was so fabulous. We're going to do 10 more. But do you two kind of have any final words, especially about our women who listen, who you know, maybe they're growing up in West Virginia and they want to be in the industry that really kind of want to follow in your footsteps. Have you got some kind of final words? You know, for me, I think, you know, I talked about, you know, leaning to, into the yes and doing things that scare you. And this is something that I've come to in the latter part of my life. You know, one of the reasons why I even change my hair all the time is it's a mechanism to make me comfortable being uncomfortable. Because I think as women, and as people of color, and then so women of color acutely, we are less risk averse than our counterparts. And I would start to, you know, do some self analyzing on why that is. And I think it's because for most of us, we understand that even though we could be fourth generation legacies, like Mickey talked about, uh, in many cases, we are still the first or the only. We, we are very conscious of the fact that there were people who uh, paid the ultimate sacrifice in many cases for us to sit in these seats. Mm. And so there's a part of us that doesn't want to let them down. Yeah. And then we also have this recognition as we look around these board tables and see we are the only, that we're trying so hard to, to hold that door open and not 
shut it for those young women who are coming behind us. So sometimes we have a tendency to play it safe because, you know, if, if they can get comfortable with us, then, they, then maybe they'll get comfortable with other people like us. And so we want to play it safe. And here's what I would tell you is that there's a difference between playing to win and playing not to lose. Mm. So right. when you when you're when you're up in the game, it's two minutes left in the game and you got to lead. You're just trying to protect the ball. But if you're trying to win, there's a different sense of urgency. There's a different yeah. hustle. There's a different yeah. mentality. There's a different. And right now I'm trying to play to win. If God allows, I'm over halfway through my life at this point. And so every day has to count. And so I, I'm encouraging these young women take more risks. Take more risks. If you're not living life on the edge, then you're probably taking up too much space. Mm-hmm. And that authenticity that comes from not trying to, to fit in somebody else's mm-hmm. box, mm-hmm. it frees yes. you. Love it. Okay, Mickey, Miss Mickey Woodard. I don't even know what else I can add to that because that is powerful. But what I would say is in addition to everything Latasha just said, which is fabulous, be gentle with yourself. We are hard mm. on ourselves. Mm. Yes, we are. Women of color, no matter mm. what age, mm. we are harder on ourselves. Mm. We think more critically about ourselves than anyone thinks about us. Be gentle with yourself. Mm. Know your value. Know your voice. Know your vision. Mm. There is a role for all of us to play and be bold about that. There aren't a lot of us out here in entertainment, but we're here. Yeah. But we're here. We are here. (laughs) There are ways to find us that did not exist when I started. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. you might not always get the opening or the time that you're looking for in that moment. Don't let that make you stop. Mm. Keep going, because one of us is going to answer. Right. And Mickey, it's not because we don't want to, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yep. I do what I can. I know you do what you can. And there are many more of us that, as you said earlier, our friends and colleagues around the industry, we're here for you. So while we are, reach out. Beautiful. Thank you both so much. Thank you so much, for real, for listening to Sister Brunch with Anya Adams and me, Fanchon Cox. Don't forget to visit timesupfoundation.org. We are so grateful to them for having this series with us. You can find out more about their work and how to follow them on social. You can also follow us on Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast. We're also on Twitter at Sister Brunch and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sister Brunch Podcast. And also, please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review our show and share it with others. This episode was created in partnership with the Time's Up Foundation. Our show producer is Brittany Turner. Our executive producer is Christabel Nsiabwadi. We acknowledge that the land we record our podcast on is the original land of the Tongva people here in Los Angeles.